thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the fintech podcast now today it is our final podcast for 2020 before the holidays arrive not to worry i'm very excited to say we are back in the new year but now is your chance to catch up on any episode you may have missed if you are new to discovering us welcome and be sure to follow us here and on our socials at fintech mag for the latest updates my special guest today is tom Eyre, co-ceo and co-founder at lockbox we talk about the importance of education of credit scores and how they impact everyday life. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today on the FinTech Podcast. Really appreciate you having the time to um, sit down and have a Q&A with me. Um, how are you Not doing today? Doing excellent. Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah, really good. Great. So um, I suppose let's, uh, let's delve into it. And um, if you can just kind of talk about what is um, Lockbox and explain how your company works and the purpose of it. Sure, absolutely. Um, so Lockbox is a a financial inclusion business so our our mission when we set out was to end financial exclusion globally which is a pretty big mission and um, i'm pleased to say we are we are some way on our way to to solving it so our product helps people to build a credit history while they save and master their money to learn about financial education um, and the way money works we've been live now since 2017 um, with an earlier product we were around much earlier than that um, going back to 2011, 2012. We've helped over 200,000 people since then and, um, and we're now doing this across the UK and, and the USA. We were just talking a bit um, off the record for a moment about trying to cope with um, working from home and everything that goes along with that. How have you found um, it been for the company at the moment? Well, it's been great. Um, it's been great. And I say that because there's been positives and negatives. Um, so we moved to remote really quite smoothly. So at the start of all of this, I mean, we are we are a tech business first and foremost. We are we are distributed right the way across across the globe. So even before this, Gregor and I, so Gregor, my co-founder and co-CEO, uh, we managed to build a business that operated in four cities that neither of us lived in. So we mm-hmm. we were really quite used to working working all over the place. We had a head office in Bristol, uh, where most of our staff were, and they've just been awesome. Um, the the rest of the team. Um, have done very well it's not been without its challenges inevitably um but you know what i mean that's that is also slightly startup world isn't it is you you adapt and overcome and you get used to things being or having curveballs thrown at you fairly regularly um so yeah the 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 team and we are are doing really well it seems to be one of those things at the moment um especially for the fintech industry that even though 2020 does seem to be coming across a lot of challenges you know um for different sectors but the fintech industry seems to be adapting quite well at the moment i don't know if you'd have it the image in mind of it sort of even though some of the bricks have been crumbled it's almost rebuilding yourselves back up at the moment yeah i think yeah i think that's i think that's really true i mean i've spoken to lots of lots of kind of my peers um in, in other in other businesses in the industry and and everyone has a really everyone has a really similar story so um so i I think you're exactly right some of our listeners um you know we were trying kind of branch out on different fintech topics but today we're going to be talking about credit scores so um with that could you explain actually a what a credit score is and how they impact everyday life you know what why do they matter sure absolutely what a, what, a, what a huge topic and i will try and condense it down as much as possible um and i think it's probably really important to draw a distinction here between a credit score and a credit history because mm-hmm. they're two different things and they mean two two really different things so let's start with credit history and uh, i don't want to teach any of your listeners to, to to suck eggs but your credit history is is a load of information that's about you um, that's held by three private companies. So Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion in the UK, they're called credit reference agencies. 
Um, they hold large databases on, on all of us as consumers that include uh, not only information from the electoral roll, so our names, our addresses, identity information. They hold information about uh, whether we've had any bankruptcies, uh, whether we've had any county court judgments, so, so in formal insolvencies and, um, and any court orders made against us. Uh, but the bulk of what they hold is our credit payment history. So if you've borrowed in the past, um, if you are borrowing, typically your lender will be reporting that information to one or all of the credit reference agencies. And they do that for a, for a, whole, load of, a whole load of reasons. But for, as a consumer, what you need to know is that data is going to be accessed by, by most lenders, or at least it used to be lenders only. Now it's lenders and, and, and kind of a whole host of product providers to make decisions about you based on your past behavior. And the mm -hmm. general idea is, how you've behaved in the past is a really good indicator of how you're going to behave in the future. The data is quite complex. As a result of that, credit scores were created. So what you have in the UK is three private companies holding huge databases um, on, on all of us and a, a series of organizations, lenders, uh, utilities providers, insurance providers, uh, employers in some instances, uh, who will take this information, look at this information, and they will make a decision for themselves about what they think of you. Now, that's quite nebulous. The, the mm. concept of that is quite nebulous. So the credit reference agencies um, decided to, to simplify it for us as consumers and created their own versions of a credit score. So that's uh, their own algorithm that accesses the data that they hold and spits out a score on a scale that is designed to be indicative of what a lender might think of you. Now, the important thing to remember is in most, in most instances, lenders won't use the score that you see if you log into one of these companies and you view your credit score. That's not a number that lenders will typically use. There's, there's some that are very, very similar. They're highly correlated to that number. But in most instances, instances they'll make their own decision about what they, what they think about you. And it's, it's a little like a stranger coming up to you and asking to borrow £50. That's right. And wants to borrow £50. And, and you had 50 pounds that you were happy to, to lend to somebody, you would want to know how likely is it that that person is going to pay me back? And yeah. you would probably, first of all, start to think, well, can this person afford it? And that's what we call affordability. And the next question you would ask is, well, okay, so maybe they can afford it, but do they have a propensity for this? Do they, are they likely to actually take this action that I want, which is pay me back? And the best way to do that uh, would be to look at whether they've done it in the past. So if you have no credit history, at all, which is one of the problems that we set up our business to address. Um, it's that person that you've just, that's just asked you to borrow 50 pounds. Uh, the answer you're probably gonna give is no, because whether you know they can afford it or not, if you know nothing else about them at all, then it's a, it's a real gamble for you. Whereas if someone came and asked you if they could borrow 50 pounds and you could speak to all of your friends and your friends said, you know what, actually we lent this person 50 pounds a year ago, six months ago, and actually they paid us back and they were really good. Your, your confidence would be substantially higher. Now, imagine those two scenarios, the person you're likely to lend to is the one where you've got some, some sort of confidence that they're likely to pay you back. And, and ultimately that is what credit scoring from a consumer perspective is designed to do. It's designed to help us um, access products and services when, uh, when the provider is taking some sort of risk on us. I think you've explained that clearly for um, some of our listeners who are obviously consumers in the industry and not only um, for businesses as well. But it seems to be that in the fintech industry, you know, it is that um, significant thought in mind that it's not only the communication which is necessary, but the trust that goes behind um, certain companies, you know, whether it comes to credit scores, that um, image that you've just explained is actually if their trust isn't there, especially with the consumer, um, and they can't give you the evidence that actually they are a reliable 
consumer to actually have that credit score to then you know prove that they can pay it back then it, it doesn't seem to work yeah yeah that's that that's exactly right trust is a trust is a really really nice word um, that is so often lacking in financial services um, in, in both directions from companies to consumers and consumers to companies. Um, but that is that is exactly what credit scoring tries to do. And that's a double-edged sword because for some people who uh, for some people who have great credit scores, it means you can access better products um, and you can access them more cheaply. Uh, for others that don't have access to that information, it can be a real catch-22. It's a real chicken-egg situation. And that's, that, that's where we set up. That's what we had... Uh, our business originally was designed to do was to give people an opportunity to build up that positive data whether it in fact actually whether it's positive or negative uh we exist to give people an opportunity um what they do with that opportunity is entirely up to them but um but what it means is that for those hundreds of thousands of people in the uk that, that we've helped so far we've given them a platform to to prove that they are can be responsible borrowers that they are financially uh, responsible and the result of that is that they can hopefully go on and access uh, not just not just credit responsibly but credit responsibly at a better rate than they might have done previously because ultimately the outcome of the outcome of credit scoring is not just uh, it's not just the gatekeeper to credit so it's not binary it's not a case that if you pass the credit check you get credit it then goes on to define the amount that you pay for it and the differences can be absolutely staggering if you have if you have a good credit history if you're financially responsible and your risk is low or perceived to be low the amount that you're going to pay for products and services that you access is going to be considerably lower than somebody who's perceived to be a high risk. Now, mm -hmm. it might be that uh, you are financially irresponsible. It might be that you actually are a high risk. And, and, and then, of course, fair enough, that's, that, that's on those organizations to price that risk accordingly. But it might also be that, you, uh, that you've just moved to the UK from overseas. And actually, you're excellent with credit um, and you have a good, stable job. But we, you are demonstrably invisible. To, to the UK financial services sector. At that point, is it right that you should pay more? Um, or it might be that you're young or you've just left the armed forces or you've just got divorced or you've just simply never needed to borrow credit in the past. All of these things will leave you uh, invisible to the credit system and will ultimately result in you paying a, um, a much larger amount for the credit that, that you probably should have for, for less. So I suppose personal circumstances for a consumer really does impact your credit scores like it's almost as though you can't just go with it with no plan in mind when you're taking out how to improve your credit score it's everything else that contributes it contributes to it yeah yeah it's it, it really i mean it, it's part of it's part of just being good with money um mm. and so it is only one it is only one part of it but but you're right it, it is important and the way you go about it is is important and it can feel um it can feel extremely opaque because credit scoring is not is not particularly well understand. It can it can look like a bit of a dark science um, at, at times. And typically speaking, when you have a good credit score and you get access to products and services, you rarely consider what it is that has gone into getting you in that position. It's typically only those who struggle with getting access to products and services at a decent price that that are forced to kind of face this reality that. There is a there is a, a a data set about you that is that is contributing to you not getting the thing you want or not getting the thing you want at a at a fair price. So it is important that we consider it. If if we did better financial education in this country, I mean I've, I've worked in lots of countries and I've never been to one that's done financial education very well. But if we actually did financial education well in this country, then people might be less surprised about it. If we didn't rely on on parents uh, to to teach people about financial services, then then we would probably be better off. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, I know if I look at if I look at my my parents, 
um, the world that they learnt about money in is vastly different to the one that we inhabit today. It's completely different. The old adage of you know never never get into debt is just it's absolute rubbish. Um, it's not it's not fit for for the current financial services climate where if you want to pay your utilities monthly you have to pass a credit check, and that credit check requires you to have had some credit in the past. In fact, actually, the, you know, we, we've seen this a number of times where those old pieces of advice um, are actually not only do they not work, but they would potentially put you in a much worse position now. So, um, so getting better with education right the way across the board will, will help people to understand how to tackle this particular piece of their financial life alongside the, the rest of it. Yeah, I, I think on that note, I totally agree. I think it's something that's you know, whether we like it or not, times are changing, especially in the fintech world. And it's something which you clearly stated it's something that years ago it was a different mindset it was a different way of living that suited at the time um but you know things are constantly evolving in the fintech industry and it's something which we can learn to adapt to but education does seem to be something which would help improve um for you know whether it's the younger generation um or you know anyone at the time who is a consumer who's using credit score if they have a higher sense of how to use it then of course it would make it easier for the business and for the consumer absolutely absolutely and you you look at um you look at countries like the states who are probably 10 10 maybe even 15 years further ahead of us in this particular respect um consumers have uh, an extremely well-developed understanding of, of, of what that score means for them of what that I mean actually in the US the, the score is much more binary because they, they operate a slightly different system to us over here but uh, consumers um, as a general rule are much more aware of, of, of what a good credit history of what being perceived as having a good credit history will mean for them in their financial life and and the reality is you know I mean we, we did a piece of research not that long ago uh, where we looked at the amount that you would save on a £10,000 loan or on a, or on a standard credit card uh, if you improve your credit score by certain increments. And as a result of improving your credit score, you got slightly better APRs. Um, so APR being annual percentage rate of charge is the, the interest rate that we get charged when we borrow money. And the results were staggering. So yeah, a 50-point increase could could well, in, in, in many circumstances, equal thousands and thousands of pounds worth of savings um, across your life. We did, we did an example with a mortgage. Uh, and we didn't publish the results because they were too ridiculous. We didn't think people, we didn't think people would buy it. Um, but actually, the, the outcome is staggering. When you look at the average house price in the UK right now, uh, when you look at the average interest rates on a, on a mortgage, a couple of percent, you know, a couple of basis point difference in in the in the APR rate you pay on that on that loan over the course of over the course of a mortgage, uh, it's it's huge. I mean, it's a it's a car in a lot of instances for people, which 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 matters when times are times are tough. Absolutely. I think with um, with what we've just talked about, um, definitely seems to be something which a lot of our listeners will um, take it as it is. It's something that's very important to think about, you know, in the times that we are living in, a lot of things are changing, especially with when it comes to, you know, uh, what you mentioned with mortgages, you know, just seeing actually properties on the market. Um, it's, <laughs> or, you know, you compare it to how oil is going at the moment as well, just on like another factor. It's, it's, it's strange times at the moment. So one thing I did want to ask is obviously um, with what we've just talked about with um, credit scores um, and everything else in between, how does um, Lockbox encourage behavioural change towards money? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's probably worth just starting out with a, a bit of a, a bit of a view of how we see the financial world, because I think it is fairly unique. It's certainly been fairly unique as long as we've been banging this drum since 2017. And I think people are starting to come around to this idea now. Um, we are looking at financial exclusion, which is which is just a, such a horrid term. I, no, nobody 
ever wakes up and says, oh, I'm really upset today because I am financially excluded. That's, we understand that's not language that people use. But there are, there are definitely outcomes and definitely factors to being financially excluded that we that we considered really heavily when we were trying to build trying to build this product um, so in the first instance financial exclusion is you're never really completely included and you're never really completely excluded so we we understand financial exclusion as being a lack of opportunity a lack of capability and a lack of resilience so okay fair enough if you lack opportunity if you're not able to participate in the financial system inevitably you are excluded to a degree but what's a so what of that well the so what for people is that life is harder and it's more expensive if you can't access the best products and the best systems your life is harder and more expensive and then we look at capability education understanding if you don't understand how the system works if you haven't been educated or you aren't able to educate yourself on it then you are to a degree financially excluded or you that is the outcome that you will experience but what's the so what of that well again people don't wake up and say i really wish i had more financial capability what they say is actually my life is a little more complicated and a little more confusing than it needs to be and finally you've got resilience so uh, for us resilience is about having a having a ready day fund it's about having some savings it's about being able to survive the inevitable bumps in the road that are going to happen uh, and once again you know people well, again don't wake up and say god you know i'm i'm, I'm lacking a bit of resilience here uh, what they feel is stress because life is much more stressful when you know that you aren't able to survive something that might be around the corner. Now, when you add those things together, when you think, okay, my life is harder and it's more expensive and it's more complicated and it's a bit more confusing and you know what, it's all quite stressful. That's actually quite horrible. That's, that's the problem that we're trying to, that's the problem that we're trying to tackle. So Lockbox allows people to build a credit history while they save and learn about financial services. So in the first instance, our customers choose to an amount that they would like to save per month, anywhere between £20 up to £200 a month um, over the course of a year. So if you had a, a savings target of, use nice round numbers for a second, of, of £1,200, of £100 a month, um, we would give you a loan for £1,200. That's free. It's completely free and it's available to everybody. We, so we give that to you on day one and we lock it up inside a lockbox, like a digital piggy bank for you. And over the course of that year, you're going to make 12 payments of £100 to repay the loan. Fair enough, you haven't accessed it yet. We've locked it away for you. But the act of repaying that, uh, that loan starts to build your credit history. So that, that data appears on all three credit reference agencies, that's Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And other lenders, other providers can start to look at you and say, oh, do you know what, actually, Charlotte has been comfortably able to manage £100 per month. So that speaks to your affordability. That speaks to your ability and your propensity to manage credit on a regular basis. But it also goes beyond that because just simply creating that data starts to build you a digital identity. So when you're having to pass ID checks, which is a really important part of accessing financial services, uh, and most organizations will go to the credit reference agencies to run an ID check on you, there is something about you. So, so you can go from being invisible to visible. And actually, we did some research um, with one of the credit reference agencies not that long ago that suggested that after seven months, 0.2% of our customers were what's called thin file or no file, which, is, which means that you don't have a lot of data about you. Now, compare that to 5.9%, which is the average out of, out of a, a really large sample set. What we can see there is that over seven months using lockbox making those regular payments each month those regular repayments we actually erase the the no file problem so you can become visible in the first instance at the end of those 12 months uh, or, or earlier if you need to 
you can unlock your lockbox. You can effectively break open the piggy bank and take take your loan money out. Um, and at that point, we pay that into a new savings account for you um, or a new current account, depending on what you want. You don't have to switch accounts or anything, but we work with a whole load of high street and challenger banks to do this. And what you're left with then, Charlotte, is a, is a lump sum of money, which is your resilience. That's your savings. So you've got a lump sum of money in a new account that you can either continue to save into or you can draw out and spend whatever you need to. And throughout the entire course of that, all of our users get access to something called Lockbox Learn, which is our proprietary education journey. And we built it with a load of our partners. Um, and we went to them and said, look, you know, when you're speaking to consumers, what are the challenges that they're facing? And how might we be able to start instilling that education for people? Uh, and we have really high engagement rates with that education. It's really gratifying to see how that changes people's behavior over the course of a year. So when a, when a consumer ends their Lockbox, they've created a digital identity that's now that they can use right the way across the every single financial services product because people are able to access that data through the credit reference agencies if they've been able to manage that credit then they built a credit history that they can use and take forward because it proves out a behavior that they've actually exhibited over 12 months in doing it they have uh they have built a massive pot of savings hopefully some people as much as 2400 pounds and we get some really lovely gratifying stories from from people come through where even when they're saving the smallest amount, which is £20 a month, £240 over the course of the year, where we've had people email us and say that you, I've, I've never been able to save for 12 months in a row because it was it's too easy to spend it. You put it in an instant yeah. access savings account, you can take it back out, or there's always a, there's always a, a thing that you want to do or a thing that you need to buy um, somewhere in the region. So having an excuse that A, forces you to make that payment every single month because you don't want to damage your credit history, but also, also makes it slightly harder for you to access that money during the course of the year. It means that at the end, you get this really kind of gratifying outcome where you have a lump sum and we get people saying they've either never had that before and then we get the the kind of the heartwarming stories about we had a woman say i've managed to buy the kids their school uniform this year and i haven't had to borrow money to do it and it's the first time that's ever happened when you look at it like that and when you hear those kind of stories you realize that actually when you tie all of these three things together the outcome if, if you think of us as an incubator for the rest of the financial system the outcome mm. of that is that the people who leave us are much better prepared to go on and access mainstream products that for many of us we just take for granted whether that's because we have been educated on it, whether because we had a credit history before, whether because we just think that it's perfectly normal. That's a that's a, a real issue in financial services itself. Um, I was being really critical of my of my colleagues and peers, a number of very, very smart people in financial institutions who believe that uh, that bad credit scores are the preserve of poor people or people that are rubbish with money. It's, it's, it, it's absolutely rubbish. It's not true. It's an absolute fantasy. Um, and the, the quicker we can get rid of that kind of attitude in the industry and realize that actually giving people these opportunities um, means that what the way they come out at the other side is much better for everybody um, is a really positive step forward. So those, that, that, that's how our product works. Um, that's how it works here and it's how it works in the US. I think, to be honest, Tom, um, for me personally, I find this all fascinating because just having that um, image in mind that a lot of fintech companies, if you don't have that process or the certain certain steps that happen in the organisation, how, as a consumer, are you supposed to see the progression happen? And I think with what you've explained, actually, really pinpoints the significant um, areas where it does come to credit scores. It's actually hearing from consumers, hearing that personal touch that's happened once they've used your product it's actually not only worked successfully but it's actually totally transformed their digital footprint um, mm. in a positive way so I think what we're going to move on to now is um, talking more about the financial coaching and education um, that Lockbox does um, but could you actually just explain why it's important and how Lockbox helps with this? 
Sure, absolutely. So thinking thinking firstly back to that, that definition of financial exclusion that we had earlier, that, that lack of capability, that lack of education, for us, that's that's one of three equally important pillars of, of, of inclusion. So for us, it is absolutely fundamental that every single thing that we do must must teach and must coach people to, to, to be better. Now, some of our customers don't need that. You know, some of our some of our users absolutely don't, and that's fine. They can choose to ignore that that education, or they can choose to benefit from it if they want to. But it is something that's available to to all of our customers. Why do we think it's so important? It's because if our business helps people to access the financial system, and we're not talking about a small number of people here. So, uh, Experian released some data a few years ago that suggested in people in the UK had no formal credit history. So that's six million people that are completely invisible, six million adults that are completely invisible to the credit system. So these people are all what's known as no file and thin file. Um, so we are talking about when you layer on top of that, people who just happen to have a, a slightly less than perfect credit score. You're talking about very, very large quantities of people. If we are going to provide a product that helps people to move into the formal financial services sector, and we do that knowing that for the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years, time, 30 years, nobody has properly educated consumers about financial services in school, college or university, then it's absolutely incumbent upon us as an organization to not only arm you with the ability to access products, but with the knowledge that means you don't fall at the first hurdle. I, I think you could almost make an argument that it would be completely irresponsible for us to help people to access the, fo the formal financial services sector. So when I say that, what I mean is access mainstream banking, access credit cards, access mortgages, access um, loans, access car finance, all the stuff that, that, that for many of us we, we take for granted because it just feels completely normal that you would have that. And we don't educate people on how best to succeed with those products then yeah, that probably that probably would be a failing on our part. So so that was that was the, the view that we had when we went into this. That was Gregor and I when we when we created the product. Um, we knew that education would be right at the core of it. So we created Lockbox Learn to tackle uh, to tackle a, kind of a, a number of a number of subjects really. So the first one was banking health. Uh, the second was savings health. The third was borrowing health or credit health, and the last was overall financial health. And that was how we that was how we worded it back in 2017. Because again, I don't really, I don't, I think a lot of consumers, certainly I, I can speak for myself, probably don't engage that much with the idea of formal financial education, because it's, a lot of people don't go out and seek that. But when you think about education as actually improving your health, improving your, your financial health, then you can start to understand why it might be beneficial to you to, to, to engage with this. And we do that through a, a series of emails, blogs, you know, various resources, videos, etc. And we're getting progressively more, um, progressively more intelligent and technical and sophisticated in the way that we deliver that training and that coaching over time, uh, to the point where I, I genuinely believe that that some of our some of our educational material is is the best in the business, the best in the market. And uh, one day I'll, I'll find a piece of research that backs that up, but I don't have it yet. So you can take that. You can take that anecdotally um, that, that that I think that, but having delivered that over having delivered that as part of the product since literally since day one since we launched in july 2017 every single person that started our product got access to lockbox learn having then seen the outcome of our customers so there is the the kind of the the, the tangible very easy to prove outcomes so customers who go who stay with us for 12 months perform three to four times better than their peers with credit cards that they take out i mean that's a that's a very demonstrable outcome that means we've got less people that are getting into bad debt and more people that are able to manage credit properly and better than their peers that's not just because they exhibited a positive behavior for 12 months it's because during the course of that they learned 
the stuff that we don't teach people at school. You know, I, I left school knowing pi it was a party trick. I knew pi to about 12 digits and I could just recite it. <laughs> could I have told you what APR stood for? No, I didn't. Did I know mm. the difference between a direct debit or a standing order? Not a clue or how overdrafts work. I mean, how embarrassing, how embarrassing and what a kind of a damning indictment of the way that we, that we treat people that you get spat out of school or college into one of the most complex financial services sectors in the world and we haven't taught, we, nobody gets taught how not to fail um, in that system. So uh, with that in mind, that's, that's what we created, that's what we, that's what we wanted to address. And I, I'm extremely proud to say that, that it certainly appears to be working for, for, our, for our customers uh, as they go through our product. I think it definitely sounds like something that, it almost sounds like it's the elephant in the room. It's something that has to be covered on a regular basis, the education you know of, of how fintech works you know like you've just said my um anecdote that i can throw you is is that until you know i myself hit university that was when i suddenly was aware of debit cards credit cards you know how actually everything worked and i don't know it just it's a bit awkward when you kind of hit your um adult stage and you kind of think i've got no idea how this all works so unless you do your research how are you supposed to a be equipped to how you're meant to go out in the world and know what you're meant to be doing and also, if you don't do your research, it's almost as though you're second guessing. So I think with what you just explained, it's actually reaching out to consumers to learn about it, use your services, and hopefully it be something that's going to help them in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, ed- education is at the heart of it. I mean, it, it has to be. And it, it is something that we didn't do well. Um, I say we, I'm, I'm talking about financial services sector as a whole. Um, I think it's something that's, that, that has been really, really acutely understood now. With anything, you know, it would always be nice for to click your fingers and just fix it overnight and just tackle it straight away. But but you've got to understand, you know, we certainly understand that there's a lot of players involved. Um, I get frustrated. I've got really frustrated since since launching this business years and years ago um, that that it wasn't ever taken seriously. And you know, I've sat on various roundtables. I've sat at the at the House of Lords, uh, banging this exact drum that, that that financial education has to be the starting point for a lot of this. And I think the the gap between taking that from something that we talk about and so to something that actually gets done is the challenge. That's the, the chasm that we are trying to cross at the moment. I'm absolutely certain that if we sit here in, if we come back in five years time, uh, that the system will look vastly different and the outcome for real people will have been extremely different as a direct result of that. It would be interesting to see if there's anything different, like you said, in the next five years to actually see if things progress in a um, successful manner then it would be fabulous to think, you know, in, in five years time, how different some companies will be, or actually just the education that's put behind it um, will not only be something which will work for B2B, but also B2C. So business to consumer, if that's a tighter relationship that's created, um, where they actually not only know how to use your product, but they know the research behind it. They know actually if it's going to a bank and taking out the loan, it's not just going to a bank and taking out a loan. It's like, I'm going to a bank to take out a loan because I know everything about it before doing it. Yeah. So it's something that's going to make it easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will do. And um, th- I think probably the thing that is a shame at the moment, and certainly the way it works with, with credit scoring, as we've seen, is that most people find out that they are financially excluded. And by that, I mean, not able to access the products and services they want at the exact worst time which is typically when they want to get it so if for a lot of young people it's when you go and get a mobile phone contract in your own name so i know a lot of people will have and we, we hear this from consumers a lot uh, i had a had a mobile phone um it was in my parents name because i couldn't have one before i was 18 which is fine um, i then walked into whatever high street phone shop it is 
and uh, and tried to, to to get the brand new iPhone or whatever it is on a on, on contract. And that was probably the for a lot of people that's the first time they realised that there is something that they can't control that's going to hold them back and they need to go and learn about it. But for others, it's when you apply for a loan or a credit card or a mortgage or whatever it is. Um, so there's so there's there's lots of opportunities and, and there's a there's a great Chinese proverb that the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the second best time is today. Uh, and that's 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 what it's like for a lot of people when it comes to credit scoring. The perfect time to, there's no silver bullet, it, it can't be fixed overnight. Uh, the, the, the perfect time to, to, to start this is when you are 18 and you are starting to think, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to set myself up for the rest of my financial life? And having a strong credit history is a, is a part of that. It's only one part, but it's an important part. Thinking about it then, if we could get every single 18 year old, if we could get every single 18 year old to start building a demonstrable credit history uh, and starting to understand how financial services work at that point, then we'd erase the no far thin far problem overnight well, well within seven months we could erase it uh, so you wouldn't have people being rejected for being invisible to the credit system and then if as part of that they started to learn how to how to actually manage credit responsibly those who were entitled to credit uh, would be able to go on and get it and we wouldn't have people being rejected there and then for it so it's it's just about a little bit of forward planning and and we we, we think a lot about about how financial planning works for our investments or for our pensions or for things that are going to happen further down the line. But very rarely do we ever think about it for things like credit histories or, or our kind of our day to day money management. So a little bit more of that would um, would would I imagine help a, a huge number of people along the way. Yeah, I think with um, with what you've just said, it's something that you know if you don't plan for it, unfortunately, in fintech, whether it's a business or a company, then it is going to affect you in the long run because you're not going to have that preparation behind you. One thing as well to talk about with financial exclusion just want to touch on that for a second. Could you explain what is it and um, what would you say needs to change? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we uh, we covered it off a wee while ago in my, in my ramblings about opportunity, capability and resilience. Um, but, but for me, that is that is financial exclusion. So it's um, again, I'll, I'll say it again, it's not a particularly nice term, certainly not something that I as a consumer would ever have identified with or, or ever would identify with. But essentially for us, financial exclusion happens when you lack when you lack one or a combination of opportunity, capability and resilience. And the results of that for consumers are pretty, pretty negative. You get you get the, the effect we talked about earlier. So your life becomes harder, it becomes more expensive, um, it gets more complicated, it becomes more confusing, and it's a little bit more stressful. I think probably what's important to understand is financial exclusion isn't binary. Nobody is either included or excluded. It, it just doesn't work like that. We are probably through our entire financial lives all a bit included or a little bit excluded from stuff. Um, whether that is when you're 18 and you go in and try and get the mobile phone contract in your own name and you can't have one, that's a that's a a piece of exclusion or something. So an example of exclusion right the way through to you applying for, for the loan to buy your car that you need and it costing you more than your friends who applied for the same loan for the same amount to buy the same car because you have a slightly different credit history. Uh, again, you are both, maybe you're both able to get credit. So you're included in that respect. But if you're paying more than your friend, it might be that you are excluded from those better rates because of things on your credit file, because of things that you've done in the past or because of the way that you manage with money. Uh, and you can take that right the way, literally right the way through your financial life. There's always degrees of inclusion and exclusion. For us, our mission is to end this globally, is to end financial exclusion globally. And, and, and what we mean by that is to provide a product, a, a journey, a, a series of journeys, a series of products, however you want to think about it, but a, but a place and a, and a solution that allows people to take the first step on the ladder 
build a credit history from scratch, build a digital identity, build a credit history that allows you to learn about stuff that maybe you should have learned about previously, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you just need a refresher on it. But th that doesn't end. It doesn't end once you're inside the financial system. So when you can get your first credit card, that's not the point that you are included because the, the degrees of exclusion then shift slightly throughout the course of your financial life. And at that point, you need different coaching and different training and different products and different, um, different solutions. And, uh, and our mission is to provide that, whether it's in the UK, whether it's in America, whether it's in South America, whether it's in Africa, the Far East, um, we, have, we have aspirations to go everywhere and tackle those solutions. And in, in developed economies, like the UK and the US, what we're doing is allowing people to access better products or cheaper products or more products than they could have had previously. Some of those are niceties, loans, credit cards, etc. Some of those are verging closer to essentials. So the ability to pay your utilities monthly and therefore benefit from a better deal. So to avoid that kind of exclusion premium you get with, with, with prepay meters. The ability to access mobile phones, etc. These are things that are, are kind of taken for granted, but, but to a degree uh, really matter much more than much more than some other financial services products, right the way through to um, to overseas or a number of emerging markets in, in in overseas territories where we have looked at the market, where we have spoken to credit reference agencies, where we've spoken to organisations, and the one uh, one country in particular where fifty percent of the population exists out of a formal financial services sector, and we were pitched by an organ a very large organisation over there to bring our product to that country because in the first instance. If we can help people to save a regular amount of money each month and build a credit history and a digital identity at the same time, then you break down that barrier that is stopping people from initially having the opportunity to participate in the system. And if you tie into that education and savings, then fair enough. Over here, we're about helping people get access to loans, credit cards, mortgages and save money on them. But actually, in, in other countries, it might be actually allowing an entire generation of people to access their first bank account. And from that to access a formal financial services sector that does make their life cheaper, does make it less stressful, does make it better. And hopefully the ripples of that will continue long after, long after that first group of, of consumers have been financially included potentially for the first time ever. So that's, that, that's what financial exclusion means to us. And it's what ending financial exclusion means to us as a mission. You mentioned a moment ago, um, obviously taking the service or this product pretty much anywhere that you can. I just wanted to talk about the launch um, of it in America um, yep. and just ask, ask the question, what, why America? Why America? Yeah, well, what, why America? Um, America, <laughs> America, is, America is huge and challenging and amazing and exciting for a whole load of different reasons. So we, um, we decided to launch in America partly because of the size and the scale of the problem in the US. I mentioned earlier that, that, that America is about 10 to 15 years further ahead of us in, in the way consumers really fundamentally understand how credit scoring impacts their life, which for a business that, that requires you to understand why you need a better credit score in order to want to come and use our product um, is extremely helpful. That's very attractive for us as a business. But actually the sheer scale of the problem is, is absolutely off the charts. I mean, whereas, well, I mean, Aside from it being a much larger market, the number of people that are systemically excluded from, from kind of mainstream financial services products in, in the US is significantly larger in the UK. I mean, it's upwards of 100 million, well over 100 million people. Um, they also, as a market, have an established credit builder, credit builder market. In the, U in the UK, that didn't exist. We had to create that from scratch. We were the forerunners of, of, of that. Which brings with it a whole host of challenges that we won't that we aren't facing in the US. So uh, Americans are used to the concept of a credit builder. They're used to the concept of a credit builder loan. They understand why they need one. The barrier they have faced is that um, it's been phenomenally expensive. 
to do it in the US. So these products cost money and they cost a huge amount of money in, in the US relative to, relative to uh, the, the sort of incomes that people who use them are. They also, uh, and I can say this because I have a solution that does it, that they don't tackle every part of financial exclusion. So uh, the solutions that exist at the moment allow you to just demonstrably build a credit history, but they don't tap into, they don't tap into the education, the coaching and the learning and the understanding piece, um, which means that, which is why we think and we know that our customers perform much better when they leave us, our customers, because they've had that, that rounded product, that rounded package, they get really great outcomes. The other great benefit for our products is it can be used for free. So to go to the US, uh, not only was it a well-established, sophisticated market with a, a mature understanding of, of what credit builders mean and what credit scoring means, uh, but they're also used to paying a shed load of money for something that we can do for free. Now, as a disruptive business, uh, that, that was almost too good an opportunity to pass up. So, so that is why we decided to go to the US. And it's why uh, we've, we, we've had some really, really, really good initial results since we, since we launched there. And, um, and we're getting really great feedback from the consumers that we're helping over there, which is, is really lovely. I think something, something with is a positive with the service that you provide at the moment. Just it seems to be something that will be going on to bigger and better things with, you know, the months to come. COVID obviously is having an impact um, to, like we've discussed before, to some fintech companies. Some of them obviously are still uh, surviving and thriving in the industry, which is great to hear. You spoke about it earlier, how significant obviously it is to have a credit score and to sort of maintain a strong um, credit score. Is there anything else that you, you want to talk about with, I suppose, how it is going to be looking forward at the economical changes coming to the UK post COVID when we do hit the day when we are past COVID. And I suppose, you know, anything else that you think is um, important to think about with having financial control and, you know, maintaining a strong credit score? Sure. Um, so maintaining a strong credit score is part of mastering your money. It's part of, of, of being good with money. And I think from what I have seen so far, the British general public has done an amazing job of reacting to that through what has clearly been a, a very, very unusual and unsettling time. I, I'm, I'm not sure I agree there is going to be a post-COVID time. I think there's just going to be the new normal and, um, and it, will have, it, it will have the impact of that. Are we heading for tough times as consumers? I, I absolutely believe that we are. When COVID first really bit down in the UK, and we went into lockdown, lenders really tightened their, tightened their lending criteria, tightened their scorecards. Um, so the number of people applying for credit and being accepted was significantly smaller than, than it was pre-COVID, which, which is a natural reaction, it's a natural knee-jerk reaction. Uh, I don't know right now whether, well, I can say absolute, with absolute certainty, we are not back to the levels of lending that there were before COVID. I can't say, I, I'm not sure how long it will take before we get back to, to, to normal levels of lending. What that means is uh, if you want to borrow or you feel you need to borrow during this period of time, and I would you know, I strongly suggest that people consider whether they really do need to borrow with any, with any borrowing decision. But uh, if, they, if they do decide they need to borrow, things like having a good credit score, things like being on top of your affordability, or being on top of your outgoings, being able, being able to prove that you are responsible with money um, will absolutely stand you in the best stead. And it's, it's as important as it was pre-COVID, but it, it really now will be the difference between you being accepted and, and not being accepted and, and whatever impact that might have for, for people's own personal situations. Um, ultimately, lenders lend by choice, not because they have to. Credit is a, um, is, a, is a privilege, not a right that we have. 
Um, so it is it is incumbent on us individually to make sure that we are as attractive as we possibly can be um, to that organization so we, we get accepted and get the best possible rates. But but actually, you know, what we have seen throughout this, just from talking to talking to our, our customers and talking to, to people that come through our product, people are being much more sensible. Um, and when I, when I say that, I don't mean that they are behaving massively differently with money, but I think that they are really thinking about it and thinking about what it means to their lives. And there are some because money has become much more of a challenge than it was beforehand. And we can't deny the fact that this whole crisis is going to make life much tougher for a really large segment of society. And, and I mean, certainly for, for us, business, our job is to try and make that a little less tough wherever we can. But also for us, just generally, uh, we've seen people really thinking about money in a way that they didn't do previously. If, if that's a legacy out of that, you know, if, if, if you can draw silver linings, if you can draw some positives from what has been a, a really kind of horrendous year and, and, and a horrendous disease, that's probably a good one. That's probably something positive that might have come out of it is that people are thinking much more, much more sensibly about the way we, we approach and plan for our finances. So, you know, long may that continue. Um, I think you're absolutely right with that. I think um, with, you know, with obviously probably poor phrasing before saying, um, you know, post-COVID because you hit the nail on the head, it will be, just be a new normal, you know, it will just be something which we are adapting to, whether it's business or uh, personally, it's something which seems to be money-wise or the mindset of fintech, it seems to be a bit more well, it's it, you're more conscious of it at the moment. You're you're conscious of how you're using your money, how it's going to be um, best used at the moment, because it is quite restricted at the moment with trying to work out everything, whether it's um, maintaining loans, credit scores, anything. It's very much as though it's a rabbit in headlights at the moment mm-hmm. of trying to make sure you you know you use it to its full potential. But hopefully, with your company and with Lockbox, is something that's actually going to keep consumers comfortable secure and kind of bring it back to what we were talking about before it's the element of trust and if that trust is there then it's going to be a win-win with improving the educational side of things when you're using your money and you know in fintech in general yeah absolutely absolutely right yeah so i think yeah we can leave it there i think i've i've loved talking to you today i wish it could be for longer but um time unfortunately is not on our side um so um Thanks, is there anything else though that you'd like to talk about before we um we finish this conversation not not at all thank you so much for for having me and uh, and and giving me an opportunity to talk about our our vision for um for what financial exclusion is how we're how we're tackling it and how we're hopefully all uh, lockbox um as one of the one of the businesses leading the charge to, to to make consumers lives and people's lives better now now and 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 hopefully post-covid i didn't think it was poorly worded i think that was right Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you.